podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's edition of the Spanish Football Podcast. Hello, Sydney. Hello, Philip. How are you? I'm, I'm good. Yourself? I'm not too bad. You, uh, I hope you can hear me through this ridiculous mask that I'm wearing, which, of course, is now a... a not, actually, oh, I can take it off, can't I? I think as of today. No, it's tomorrow, isn't it? It's the 20th, isn't it? I think the day you're allowed to take them off. Yeah, just keep it on anyway. Um, you're, in the, you're in the hotel lobby in Seville, uh, waiting to get your train back. You were in Seville for last night's big game, which saw Real Madrid produce another unbelievable comeback. <laughs> to... It's incredible, isn't it? To beat Sevilla 3-2 when they were 2-0 down at half-time. Uh, that was the uh, final match of the uh, weekend. Well, actually, the final match of the weekend technically is this evening. Barcelona against Cadiz uh, at the camp now. But these are all the other results from match day 30. Uh, Friday night saw Real Sociedad and Betis play out a 0-0 draw. Saturday saw Elche produce a massive performance, beating Mallorca 3-0 at home to take a big step towards survival. Uh, Alaves... Speaking of big steps towards survival, well, they beat Rio 1-0. Uh, they're in with a chance, Alaves. They looked dead and buried a couple of weeks ago, but uh, they might, might escape relegation. Rio haven't won for four months. It's beginning to get a bit nervy for them. Uh, Osasuna are dreaming, potentially, of getting into Europe. Uh, they beat Valencia 2-1. They're, they're five points off a potential European space. Los Rojillos. It's, it's unlikely, but, you know... Like I say in Spanish, soña no cuesta nada, costs nothing to dream. And Villarreal beat Getafe by uh, two goals to one on Saturday evening. A fabulous performance from Gerard Moreno before he had to go off injured. Ten days before that big Champions League semi-final with Liverpool, we will be monitoring his progress. Uh, on Sunday, there was another big win at the bottom of the table. Levante won 4-1 at Granada. They've also got hope when they look completely dead and buried uh, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Atletico Madrid beat Espanyol 2-1. For the second time this season, Atletico Madrid scored a 100th minute winner against Espanyol to win 2-1. Uh, this one was courtesy of a initially dubious looking penalty uh, c- converted by Yannick Carrasco. Then subsequently we found out that it was correctly given, but it was given for a handball on uh, R.D.T. And um, we couldn't tell, but the referee could. And then the player himself confirmed it was a handball after the game. Celta beat Athletic Club 2-0 at San Mamés. And then we had that incredible game between Real Madrid and Sevilla at the Estadio Ramon Sanchez Pijuan, which lost Blancos 1-3-2. Uh, we're going to have a Q&A pod out uh, tomorrow, answering all your questions. So if there's anything you desperately want to know that we don't talk about on today's podcast, send us a question. We're going to have a bonus pod out on Friday discussing the midweek match day 33 in La Liga. And... We're going to be recording another episode of TSFP Presents at the Games as we discuss watching football in another part of Spain. Join us. It's just over four euros a month for loads of bonus content. Uh, we're also going to be having a... Uh, oh, no, we're also going to be taking part in Tuesday's Spanish football live stream, Raising Money for Ukraine. We'll be live on YouTube uh, from uh, uh, 10 p.m. Uh, Spanish time, which is 9 p.m. British time. Uh, we'll tweet the link. You can check... Uh, the Spanish Football Content Creators for Ukraine Twitter account for more details on how to watch and, more importantly, how to donate. Right, Sydney, the talking points. We'll start in Seville, where you are. Uh, you very nicely said, said, uh, sent us a message on our WhatsApp group and you said this game was Sevilla's entire season condensed into one match. And it, and it was, really, wasn't it? 
Yeah, and I was glad as well that it wasn't just me who thought this because, uh, as you can confirm, I sent you that that during the game, um, yes. just or just at the very very end. And um, Monchi then, he, in his post match interview, of course, the the Sevilla sporting director described it as a photograph of their season, and and it felt like it for a number of reasons. It felt like it because they had players back who were then forced out again with injury. So you had Anthony Martial, who I thought played his best game in the Sevilla shirt. I think he's largely been kind of insignificant really for Sevilla until this weekend I thought he played well but he went off after half an hour Eric Lamella who's missed a huge amount of the season I think this was only his seventh start was then forced off Uh, Acuna was forced off as well so you've got the injury which is what always happens to Sevilla you have that sort of that that sense Papu Gomez was forced off as well with injury I'd forgotten about Papa yeah. Gomez. There you go. There's that a fourth. That was very important. His, his departure. But yeah. um, and you, you, you have a situation in which um, this kind of defined their season because their season, I think, has been one of being in a position where you think maybe this could happen, and then it doesn't. And it doesn't partly because you feel like they, for whatever reason, don't quite take that step. That whether it's a, a slight lack of belief or a lack of quality or a lack maybe of just the, the, the finishing and we saw that in particular of course with the miss from Rafa Mir in the second half when they were, uh, they'd been 2-0 up at that point they were 2-1 up so it was another chance to, to basically end it and they didn't take it um, and, and that is kind of the way their season has gone and, and Lopetegui said something very interesting after the, after the game, he described it as a fear of winning that there was a kind of a fear that it was almost too good to believe that they were in this position and, 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 and it slipped away from them. The only thing that stopped this being a perfect portrait of the season was they actually lost it rather than drawing it because, of course, it's draws that's really cost them this year rather than defeats. Uh, Real Madrid once again coming from behind in a game where they looked pretty much dead and buried. First half an hour, Sevilla were well on top, then Real Madrid started to get, get back in the game. And then it sort of changed in the second half. Real Madrid really came out firing, got an early goal back and, uh, and, and really uh, kind of, as soon as they scored that goal, it was inevitable, as it always yeah. is. It feels yeah. inevitable with Real Madrid when they get a goal back. Rodrigo came off the bench, uh, scored. It was his first league goal this season, but he changed the game against Chelsea off the bench. Now Sevilla, we haven't spoken much about him this season. It's been Vinicius, the young Brazilian who's grabbed all the headlines, but... He is a really useful player, Rodrigo, and there is that spot on the right wing which is open for grabs in this team, isn't it? Yeah, and we've talked about it all year, haven't we, that that's a position without a real owner. It looked like it was Rodrigo to start with, and it looked very much like it was Asensio, in particular after that, that game against, it was Mallorca, wasn't it, when he scored the hat-trick and then he got a little bit of a run and he scored a few goals. And We kept saying this about, about Asensio, he's a player that even when he doesn't play particularly well, you feel like there's a shot coming. You feel like there's a goal coming from him, something that will slightly change the game. Then, of course, we've seen in these bigger Champions League games that that, that right-sided spot is for Valverde, which is a way of bolstering the midfield. And Valverde, you know, we always describe players based on their position on the pitch. If we take the position on the pitch as a vertical thing, you know, defence, midfield, attack. Valverde doesn't have a position on the pitch vertically, has a position on the pitch horizontally, if you see what I mean, in that it's left, right or middle. And his position is the right of the pitch, the whole of the right of the pitch. And he just goes kind of everywhere on the whole of the right. Although actually yesterday I thought he played a bit more inside than normal. And so there's been doubts, I think, about Rodrigo, but he's very talented. Uh, I do think he stagnated a little bit over the last year and a half or so. And partly, I suppose, because the start was so kind of, wow, who is this guy that that was perhaps inevitable. And he was really, really good yesterday and really important. I think this is one of the things that makes yesterday's comeback, I think, worth uh, slightly differentiating from some of the other ones. 
in the you look at Real Madrid and, and Ancelotti said it yesterday he said you know this is a team people expected it to slip up but this team doesn't slip up because it's he, what was the phrase he used coraje, compromiso and corazón right so he used three C's um, heart and, and, and commitment and, 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 and personality or character and and I thought all those things are true and we've seen that but I actually thought the reason they came back yesterday was because they played a lot of football that second half wasn't an epic second half as such it was just a very good second half from a team that created a lot of chances and really and truly, although it took until the 92nd minute for the final goal, and at that point you can look at Sevilla and think you're pretty unlucky, and you could certainly look at Rafa Mir's miss and think, you know, this could have all been for nothing, Real Madrid's recovery. But it felt like just the product of a good team playing good football, mm. which is slightly different to the Chelsea and PSG comebacks. A good team playing good football who are now 15 points clear at the top exactly. of the table. They're, they're going to they win could the be champions. They could be champions by Sunday. Now, obviously, it would take it would take Barcelona to have a really bad week, but they could mathematically be champions by Sunday. Are you sure about this? Yes, because Barcelona, if they lost tonight, if they pick up only two points between tonight, midweek, and their game in hand, which they play against Rio on, is it Saturday or Sunday? Sunday. Then Real Madrid yeah. will be champions. Has someone else ratified this? Uh, someone better at maths than me, you mean? Yes. Um, <laughs> no, OK. So you figured no. this out, but OK, I... I'm, I'm going I've, to trust you. I've, I've tried to figure it out. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm going to trust you. You, you. You'll understand my reticence to believe your mathematics. Well, they are 15 points clear with 18, 18 points still to play. Yes. Right, Barcelona. <laughs> Look, we're not good at maths here, okay? I believe you. I'm sure you spent a lot of time figuring this out. I just wondered if someone else had, had double-checked your workings. But I will, um, I, will, I will take your word for it. So let's see. Okay, let's see if Real Madrid are champions uh, by, uh, by Sunday. I mean, they won't be because Barcelona, I think, will pick up sufficient points. They won't be done anyway. But you never know. You never know. Um, we, we don't tend to talk about referees, and we try not to. But this was a game full of quite eye-catching decisions mm. from the referee. Yeah, I mean, I, I just I pick up on, obviously, the, the, the Sevilla. It's, it's, it's got sufficiently, bad, sufficiently large numbers of bad refereeing decisions that both teams are able to feel very hard done by, which is handy, isn't it? Because everyone's, everyone quite likes to feel hard done by. I think the decision <laughs> not to send off Camavinga doesn't make any sense. Um, and I think it doesn't make any sense because I don't think it's... A, a, a kind of a debatable one if you sort of mean I don't think it's one of these that you need VAR to see it it happens in front of you and it happens and, and you can see it at the time and it seems a bit strange um, not to give him the yellow card and I think that probably did have an impact on Sevilla although it's worth asking why it had quite that much of an impact on Sevilla emotionally um, then of course there's the goal that was disallowed um, for Real Madrid in the second half when Vinicius is judged to have handballed it um, which by the way, gave us my favourite moment of the game, which was Thibaut Courtois having a chat with the Sevilla fans behind the goal about whether it was a handball or not, because everyone, everyone could see the giant screens at the end of the stadium. Obviously, you can't see them very well because they're very high up. And sort of Courtois is pointing at his arm and saying, look, if it hits this bit here, it's not handball. And it was a really nice discussion with the fans. It wasn't angry or anything. It was just kind of really, uh, what, what, what do you reckon? Nah, it's a bit too hot now. Come on. Um, and anyway, so you have this, but I think there's a red herring here. And I think it's worth picking up for this very reason. Okay. There is a still image of this where it looks like the ball is on his arm. And at that point, as I think you've pointed out on Twitter, the debate comes on where does the arm stop and the shoulder start or vice versa. Yeah, where exactly are we drawing the line? Because obviously there's a nice little graphic of that, yeah. but it's a graphic of a stick man whose arms are not the shape of real people's. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So like where exactly yeah. does the shoulder start? But the point is, that's the still image. If you look, the, look at the footage, it doesn't look like it hits his arm at all anyway, let alone shoulder arm. It just hits him on the chest. 
But anyway, it's a it's a anyway, it's a bad decision. Yeah. In the end, uh, it didn't matter. I Real Madrid fans also felt they should have had a penalty for a hand. Yeah, that was actually at my end, so it was right yeah. in front of me, and I didn't see it. So I, you know, I've seen it since, and it looks very much like handball to me. Very, very much like one. Um, yeah. But but live, I didn't see it. Yeah. Okay, listen, Real Madrid are going to be champions. They're going to be worthy champions as well. They might even be champions this week. As we said, Barca are playing Cadiz uh, tonight, and we'll see what happens Cadiz tonight, Real Sociedad Thursday, and Rio Vallecano at the weekend. Yeah. Um, Speaking of Barca, they haven't played this weekend yet, but there have been, uh, particularly in the headlines today, one player in particular, Gerard Piquet. Uh, A story broke this morning, quite early uh, this morning, about his... His involvement with the president of the Spanish Football Federation, uh, Luis Rubiales, and their deal to take the Spanish Super Cup to Saudi Arabia. Um, try and just fill in our listeners in, as to what the story is, Sydney, and why this is such a big deal. Or is it a big deal? Are we making too big a deal of it? Yeah, that's the question. How much of a big deal will this end up being? Mm. Obviously, it's a big deal in terms of the initial impact. Let's, does it actually have consequences now? One of the reasons why it may have consequences is that I think it may just be the start. So this is the beginning of the Federation put out a statement last week, was it, or the week before, talking about how documentation had been hacked into. Uh, And I think that statement was partly as a way of trying to warn media not to use this. Well, El Confidencial have decided to use this and to publish the recordings. Um, In theory, uh, and talking to colleagues who think they know what's going to happen here there will be more to come now we've seen before that sometimes when there is a big story from a recording you think oh this is going to be a whole week of incredible revelations and they're going to get bigger and bigger all week but sometimes the really big one comes first and the rest are a little bit flat so let's see what the others are but this story essentially is that Gerald Piquet and his company Cosmos who of course redesigned the Davis Cup spoke to the federation about a rejigging of the Spanish Super Cup uh, there were serious conversations which included at first by the way the possibility of playing the Spanish Supercopper at, at, at the Camp Nou and basically PK encourages the move to take the Spanish Supercup to Saudi Arabia the conversations have him saying well look the amount of money here is amazing talking about figures I think it was was it 8 million he's saying it's 8 million for every team if you can get them to 12 if it's all about the money we can do this we can force them we can threaten them with Real Madrid not going and then they'll then they'll come back to us um, and essentially it seems that PK took an absolutely gigantic commission for this now on one level there is a little bit of me that thinks um, and this is maybe either an attack of realism or an attack of naivety you can decide which one of the two this is just kind of what happens in business. Someone sets a deal up, someone takes a massive commission. But it does feel a bit uneasy, even before we get into questions about whether the Super Cup should have gone to Saudi Arabia, and I think we've made it very clear before that we think it shouldn't have done. There is a sort of an uneasiness about a currently active player you, in the, working in the business world with the Federation opening up these kind of possibilities. Now, I suppose on one level, maybe it isn't any different to rejigging the Davis Cup, and we didn't think there was a problem with that. But this sits very uneasily. And remember another thing, and this is something that a colleague of mine was very keen to make the point this morning when I was talking to him about it. So remember that the Federation is a public body. Mm-hmm. Federation is a public body. Yeah. And so this isn't just about whether the Federation can ride this out. It may also be about whether the government wants to ride this out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Ruby Alice could find himself in trouble. Ruby Alice, who <coughs> got rid of Julian Lopetegui right before a World Cup for... Speaking to Real Madrid and agreeing to go there, and 
he's been doing all this. I don't know. It seems like mm. it, if 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 he has if he has any sort of integrity, he probably can't continue. But maybe that's a big maybe that's a big if. As I say, I mean, I, I, th- I think the other thing is let's see what else comes out because if there is, you know, it, it may well be that the weight of stories is what finally forces well, something to. Do you know to, what made me really uneasy? Just the this like the super chummy tone of the president of the federation yes. talking to the captain of Barcelona. And well, he wasn't captain then, but you know, the, one of the most important players in Barcelona, making money together when he's the head of the Spanish Football Federation, he's an active player. That that's yeah, it doesn't that sit doesn't right, sit does right it? at all. Like, it, it might be within the rules, sit. but that just feels. Mm. And there was there was one of the audios where yeah. he's talking about, ha, huh, this guy next to me, it'll be Alice. This guy next to me thinks Atletico Madrid are going to win the league. <laughs> yeah, pobre. No, he's not. Uh, no, they're not. And that was, of course, when. Anyway, Barcelona were challenging for the league. I don't know. It all just feels a little bit, uh, makes me feel uneasy. And we'll see what comes out of it. As you said, uh, there, there almost certainly will be more to come. Uh, we had to touch upon that because it's obviously a massive talking point in Spanish football. And it's a, a story that could well develop and, and bring pretty serious consequences. Uh, I guess back to the football. And uh, let's talk about uh, Atletico Madrid beating Espanyol by, by two goals to one Atleti, uh, again, uh, struggling, uh, struggling to break down uh, Espanyol. I I guess it was to be expected after their Herculean physical and mental effort against Manchester City in in midweek in the Champions League. I mentioned at the top of the show that this is the second time this season they've scored in the 100th minute to beat Espanyol 2-1. Espanyol, who must be utterly sick of the sight of Atletico Madrid. Again, it wasn't a particularly good performance, but it felt like a massive, massive win for them. They're far from guaranteed Champions League football next year, Atletico Madrid. And it might feel like, okay, well, they're not in the title race. They're not in the Champions League. Our season's going to peter out. No, you need to make sure you get that top four spot. See or see, as they say in Spanish. Yeah, yeah. And this is, this is a, a very good weekend for them yes. from that point of view because of course Sevilla have been beaten uh, much as they wouldn't necessarily want Real Madrid to win Sevilla have been beaten and Real Sociedad and Betis who were much closer than, than mm. I think we'd realised I think we'd kind of forgotten about them too in particular Real Sociedad I don't know about you but I feel like Real Sociedad have been non-existent for about six or seven weeks and yet they're slowly putting themselves back in a position where they could take that final Champions League place um, but they drew it on Friday night a nil-nil draw and actually a pretty good nil-nil draw as those get, as nil-nils go um, and so it has been a good weekend for Atletico Madrid. And to put this into context for you, I, I, I believe we've mentioned this before, but you talk about the, the having to get in the Champions League C or C. Remember, part of the, if you like, the, the, the revival of Atletico Madrid was about the reinforcing of Diego Simeone's authority, but also the reinforcing of the club's authority over the players. And that was a meeting with the club's CEO, the club's sporting director, Diego Simeone, and the squad, in which basically the CEO effectively said to the players, look, if we don't get in the Champions League next year... Some of your contracts won't be paid. You know, some of you will have to go. And there was this kind of, and I, remember, I can't remember who I was talking to now. I talked to a player who said, yeah, you see, you sometimes underestimate the importance of threatening a player's wallet. <laughs> it, can, it can go quite a long way. Uh, yeah, uh, absolutely. Since, since that uh, threat, uh, they've been in much better form, although uh, they weren't brilliant at the weekend, but managed to get that win. Yannick Carrasco uh, proving really important, actually. Is it? we've spoken about him obviously a lot on the podcast and and I think broadly speaking we like him don't we he's someone who's a little bit different in this this Atletico Madrid team he's 
a little bit fall out of favour in the last few weeks with Renan Lodi taking the place on the on the left hand side. But I just find him an exciting player and someone who's capable of doing a little bit things a little bit differently, which yeah. you don't often get in this Atleti side. And massively important when they won the league last year. Yeah. I actually felt for a lot of last season that I, I found him frustrating. I felt like the, the final product wasn't there, but in the last 10-15 weeks of the season, he was massively important for them. All right, let's have a look at the bottom of the table because it's obviously insanely tight with Alaves and Levante both winning uh, this weekend. Just seven points separating the bottom seven sides. Uh, Alaves and Levante... Uh, Joint bottom on 25 points. Cadiz just above them on 28. That's the bottom three. But then Mallorca on 29. Granada on 29. Getafe on 32. Rio on 34. Uh, Rio haven't won, as we said, in four months. 13 games without a victory. That's their joint longest ever winless run in the Primera División. Uh, Mallorca, Granada, Getafe, Rio. Who's going down? With Alaves and Levante, because we're still assuming those two are still going down, right? Well, we are assuming that, but I'm not sure if we should be assuming it anymore. Levante, bear in mind, have won three out of the last four, and the one they didn't win was that game against Barcelona where they really could have done. They were, they were really quite close to it. They, they feel It feels a bit like they've found... They, uh, they, they haven't won three of the last four. I think they have. I'm going to double-check that now. They've won two out of the last six, but yeah... Uh, that's quite different to three out of the last four, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, Hang yeah. on a minute. Let me, let me, I'm, I'm going to check this I, now because I, I can confirm. You've got it. You've got it in front of me. Yeah, yeah, right. Okay. It's two of the I'm just last wondering six. why yeah. why I came up with that statistic then because I've got it written down on a piece of paper. There so we go. Did I, I mention the maths thing? I no, no, no. The look, so they beat they beat Granada four one. The game before that was three two against Barcelona, yes. and then then they beat Villarreal two 0 Oh yeah, yes. sorry, sorry. Three of the. Lo- uh, I, do you know why it is? Because I'm adding a game because I'm assuming the stats I've got haven't been updated yet. Because <laughs> I'm looking at these as the last week's stats, if you say I mean, and adding to them. Yes, I've given them a game that they haven't got. Um, that's, that's classic. Anyway, <laughs> enough anyway, of that. Moving swiftly on. Yeah. So, so, so it feels like they're, they're finding their feet a little bit. You look at their fixtures, though. This is why Levante are going down. Sevilla, Valencia, Real Madrid, and the last two games, Alaves and Rayo. Now, if somehow, by some miracle, they're still standing, having got through Sevilla, Valencia and Real Madrid. Now, the good news is Real Madrid might have won the league by then, from their point of view. Um, Then they've got Alaves and Rayo, and those are going to be huge. But I think you're right. I think they will already be gone. I think Getafe will be all right. I do worry about Rayo, because this game against Alaves was the game that was going to end it. That's it. It's done. Beat Alaves and it's done. Now, they've got Mallorca. Uh, sorry, no, Raya haven't got me all career. It's Alaves at Bournemouth. They've got Espanyol away. Now, I think that's a, another opportunity for them. But if they don't get that, they then go Barca, Real Sociedad, Getafe away, which I think is really, really tough, and Villarreal. So again, they could find themselves going into the last two weeks, and their last two games are Mallorca and Levante. So See, I, I don't want to hear this. I know. I know you don't. I really know. I know you don't. Um, the good news, you want some good news then? Some other teams that are going to have it harder... Look at look so at the. Rio te- are six points above the relegation zone. We'll be fine. They've got they've got a cushion, and look at the teams that other teams have got. So Cadiz, Barca, Athletic, Sevilla, Real Sociedad. That's four of the next five for them. Then Real Madrid. So I think Cadiz and Levante probably do go, and I suspect that the team that goes with them right now is Granada. Yes, they looked absolutely abysmal uh, against uh, against Levante. Levante, they've got Comandante Morales. And when you've got someone as good as that in a relegation battle, you're always going to have a chance. He was unbelievable yes. on Sunday. Absolutely brilliant. And it's not just that he's fast and when he's got space, he tears people apart, although he does do that. 
it's the quality uh, and the, the, the calmness when he gets into good positions, the ability to find passes for other people. And if they can build a structure where you can release him and give him the space to run into, he's, he's brilliant. He is. All right, uh, before we go, let's mention the Asturian derby which took place this weekend, you were watching on your iPad at Getafe on, on Saturday night and you may or may not have celebrated wildly when the only goal of the game went in for the mighty Oviedo to claim a famous victory. I did manage to keep it not very wild, but I did get noticed. Yeah. Yes. Uh, what the bloody hell happened at the end of the game? Well, um, at the end of the game, the final whistle goes and Oviedo's players celebrate with the fans. Of course, the thing is there's no Oviedo fans there. Now, there are a smattering of fans here and there. Um, so there's a kind of a sense of Oviedo slightly theatrically celebrating where, where the away fans would be. Um, although, actually, there's a small smattering of kind of maybe seven or eight fans in the bottom corner and stuff. But anyway, the thing that, that, that has, has been seen a lot is that um, Real Oviedo's goalkeeper, Joan Feminias, is coming out of his goal. And because he's the goalkeeper and the rest of the team is way up the pitch, he's on his own. Suddenly, there are nine sporting players on him. And there are nine sporting players not surrounding him and calling him names, trying to get to him. Yeah. Like, there's a crowd around him. One of them is trying to sneakily kick him on the shins low down, thinking that no one can see. Someone else tries to lamp him. Uh, a sporting player who's not even in, the, even in the squad, Johnny, runs on the pitch. He's not part of the squad. He's wearing civvies, runs in and tries to get involved. And they basically try and beat him up. It's, it's absolutely extraordinary. Now, people are going to accuse me of bias, and of course I am biased, but genuinely... No, no, it is, that, that is it what is, happened. <laughs> it is appalling. Yeah. It is absolutely appalling. And no amount... And the post-match interview from Babine, the, the sporting player, who was saying, oh, well, you've got to know how to win, haven't you? Well, you've also got to know how to lose, is, is, is a monotone, um, totally unconvincing, really poor attempt to try and justify the completely unjustifiable sporting statement their club official statement is is one of those classic examples of an apology that is no such thing um and i suspect that there will be some really serious pretty serious sanctions over this there should be this derby Sid, obviously we've bigged it up because of your links to oviedo but this derby is becoming really really nasty now isn't it? It, it it always has been a little bit but what's been particularly bad in recent years is that the the, the institutional face-off is, is very significant. Yeah. Um, and this time around, as I say, Sporting decided, I think wrongly, although you know this maybe is a, a longer debate, wrongly not to send any, send any tickets to Real Oviedo. Um, and, and, so, and then kind of complain that Oviedo's players, by celebrating, are winding them up. Well, who exactly are they going to celebrate with if you haven't let them have any fans there? <laughs> yeah, it's true. So if you want edge... In a Spanish football clash, go and see the Asturian derby because at the moment it's uh, it's right up there with one of the fiercest uh, in this country. Uh, we've got football all week this week. We've got a midweek rounds of matches. Match day 33 uh, kicks off on Tuesday tomorrow with Mallorca Alaves, which is a monster game at the bottom. Betis against Elche. Betis might play their under 18s, given it's the Copa del Rey final for them on Saturday. And Villarreal yeah. against Valencia. Valencia might just do the same. Uh, then on Wednesday, uh, Atleti against Granada. Are you going to that? I am, yes. yes. Of course. Uh, Celta against Getafe and Osasuna against Real Madrid. Had Real Madrid lost last night, that trip to Osasuna might have looked actually pretty difficult. Well, that was why last night was so significant, because, here you go, I'm going to risk maths again, all right? Had Real Madrid been beaten yeah. last night, yeah, and yeah. then gone to Pamplona and been beaten, yeah. by the end of the weekend, Barcelona could have been three points behind them. Okay. I'll take your word for it, although I'm not entirely well, convinced. But it, yeah. it, it would have been 12 points, yeah. 
Barcelona win tonight, that makes it nine. Barcelona win in midweek, that makes it six. Barcelona win at the weekend, that makes it three. Yeah. Uh, but I'm going to need those figures independently ratified <laughs> because I still don't trust you. But yeah, probably right. Uh, Thursday, you've got Espanyol against Rayo, Levante, Sevilla, Cadiz, Athletic and La Real against Barca. And on Saturday is the Copa del Rey final between Betis and Valencia, which kicks off at 10pm, man. 10 p.m. It's good that they finally decided. I honestly didn't know what time it was until about three or four days ago. 10 p.m. Anyway, uh, I mean, it's a good job I'm not on a seven seven a.m. train the following morning, isn't it? Yeah, right. <laughs> Hashtag Spain. Uh, we we love it really. Uh, listen, thanks for listening. As ever, we're going to be back over at Patreon uh, throughout the week, so come and join us. Patreon.com forward slash TSFP. We've had loads of new patrons uh, over the last few weeks. Delighted to have you along. And if you love Spanish football, it's the place to be. If you only mildly like Spanish football, then <laughs> maybe you're all right with just the Monday pod. So, yeah, we'll see you next Monday. Adios, amigos. Cheerio. Network.